This is the Stop Time Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hopkins, and I'm here to engage you in thought-provoking motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at. Today, I'm regrouping with Bobby Conti Thornton again because we were caught in a blackout, or at least I was, because I'm in the mountains, he's in the mountains, we're cross country. So for those of you that don't know Bobby, he made his Broadway debut originating the role of Collodio in a Bronx Tale, directed by Robert De Niro and Jerry Zachs. And um, most recently, uh, he returned to Broadway this spring singing as PJ in Marianne Elliott's gender-bent revival of Company. He made his feature film debut in If Beale Street Could Talk and has appeared on television in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Madam Secretary, and The Code. His debut studio album Along the Way is available across all digital musical providers. The links will be in the show notes, so please check those out. And uh, Bobby's a native of San Francisco, California, uh, is, is currently, quote unquote, uh, residing in Manhattan, although he is quarantining in Big Sky, Montana. Bobby, thanks for joining me again for Take Two. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> Amazing. So ridiculous. <laughs> I know. You know, I, not that I want you to relive it or anything, but I know that my listeners will be very curious to know if you remember that day. You know, it's something we'll talk about for forever, isn't it? You know, the day when you heard that Broadway was shutting down. What was going on for you then? Yes. Uh, we were in previews. We had just finished our ninth and... Uh, we had had little meetings a couple days before, uh, sort of warning us about the onsets of COVID. Our company manager had come and said to all of us and all of the crew days before that, um, you know, America is good, but there are certain countries around the world that are shutting down. So when you have vacations later on in the summer, if you end up going to these various countries, you would not be allowed back in the building for a number of weeks. And that would mm. you would be without pay for those number of weeks. Um, then I think the day before there was an usher at um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which was at the booth a couple uh, theaters away from us, had contracted it. And so that that show had shut down and there was a worry if things were going to be transferred around Broadway, but company we still were told was going to go ahead. Um, but then we woke up Thursday, I think it was a Thursday, a Thursday morning to that article saying everything, uh, Broadway was going to shut down permanently. Mm. At least we thought at the time for a month uh, got a phone call and a, a big conference call with our producers and company managers and everything saying, um, you know, th this is the game plan we have for now. He said, does anyone have any questions before we all leave? And Chris Sieber said, yeah, what am I supposed to do without seeing you guys every day now? Oh. Um, and that's when it all sort of sunk in very sadly. So yeah, but so we didn't get to see each other in person that day. We were all home and they just said, don't come into rehearsal before our preview tonight. And we'll let you know further details when we have them. No kidding. Wow. So were you able to uh, see any of the cast members before you went into quarantine? Like, was there a gap in there at all for you? I, the day, the day before we had done our show and we, I, I said, I said goodbye to my, my dressing roommate Terrence and said, see you tomorrow. And said, see you tomorrow to anyone I saw in the building. Just, it was just like any other normal show or any other normal night. Yeah. Uh, no. It was so, and it was so invigorating because we were so, we were getting, we were, I guess, a week away or so from opening and we were just about to basically freeze the show. We had sort of really become solid in what we were doing and the story we were trying to tell as a uniformed company. Sad. Yeah. Did you go right into quarantine yourself or 
Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was in my apartment in New York City, and then basically uh, within a week, uh, we made the, myself and my sister made the joint decision to go out to Montana. I see. Uh, so, we, so we got out pretty quickly. Yeah. And, no. uh, but, you know, I packed two weeks of clothes thinking we'd be back in April, and now here we are in September, and I've... <laughs> <laughs> oh my been rewearing the same two weeks ago. I've bought a cup. I've bought, I think, two new pairs of pants since I've been out here, and maybe a shirt. But uh, yeah, we've been. I've been revolving <laughs> the same outfits for a long while now. Does it make you realize that you don't need as much as you think you need? I mean, uh, true, or just shows how much of a slob I am. But clearly, there's. I have no. Um, no care in my appearance really at the current moment. No. Well, there's a real freedom in, in knowing that you actually can't see anybody, right? You got to take advantage of that. It's like, well, okay. Right. All that, all, or, and when we're doing Zooms, all that matters from the, from the chest up. <laughs> Who knows what I'm wearing underneath? <laughs> That's so funny. What would you say is, is the greatest challenge you've faced so far? Um, I think actors are very good with um, structure when we're sort of placed within it with doing if you're lucky enough to be um, doing a show eight times a week for long long periods of time your life is sort of dictated for you many times you um, your life is is curated by sort of seeing what else is out there and um, looking for the next opportunity to sustain yourself financially and creatively um, so when that's sort of no longer the case um, building a sense of structure for yourself, I found, has been the the constant ebb and flow, and that's mostly rooted in relationships and making sure that you're um, staying in contact with people that you trust and that you love. Um, but it's hard, especially as a person whose love languages are are quality of time and touch. To to constantly be looking at people through a computer screen doesn't seem real, and when that's been sustained for over six months, you just uh, you just start to go a little insane and you don't feel like any connection is really um, uh, meaningful and, and valid, at least in comparison to what it would be in the quote unquote real world. Um, but, you know, I've gotten better and better at um, dictating structure for myself the more time we've gone on, um, redefining what sort of the priorities of day-to-day -day life are, especially I think we're all figuring that out when you have to let a bit of the conventional world go and, and how to quote unquote function in, in a 21st century modern society. Um, that's sort of gone away a bit, but um, yeah, it's, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm definitely in a bit of a peak right now and we'll see if there's another uh, low coming up around the bend, but uh, I'll <laughs> try to sustain the peak as long as I can. Connection obviously um, is, sounds like it's a very important value of yours when you can't have that physical in-person um, connection, whether it be a pat on the back or a hug or looking in someone's eyes, right? Um, mm -hmm. How are you able to support yourself in that, you know? How are you able to, to manage? Um, well, you know, luckily I'm quarantining with family, so I'm able to spend time with them in ways that I haven't for years. I have two younger sisters, so it's amazing to to spend quality in-person time in ways that I haven't since we were all in <laughs> high school together before I went, like I was still living in our parents' house. Mm. Um, so they definitely uh, garner me a, a great deal of energy. Yeah. Um, but it's again, finding means um, 
finding a way to stay passionate about whatever I do on a daily basis. In the beginning, it was very easy because I was um, uh, working on an album that I had already been planning on releasing in April. And we ended up doing it in May because we ended up having to engineer and master it and mix it over email, which was sort of a, I can't believe we actually did it. It was a, a logistical nightmare. But that took up a great deal of my time for the first couple months of of quarantine. And sort of when that settled, it was going, okay, great. What's the next thing to focus on? What's the next thing to put your energy towards? And that's what a bit of the aimlessness came in because the first thought is going, well, it perhaps isn't surviving enough. Is it just, isn't it enough to just get through the day without mm. losing your mind? Um, and especially being out in Montana, we're very lucky that we get to be outside on the daily in a safe way. So hiking has become a priority. When we were here, there was still snow on the ground. So we were cross-country skiing a bunch and snowshoeing. And um, it's been, that's been a very healing process to be sort of in the middle of nowhere and having to just um, stare out into the abyss and feel very content. Yeah. Um, but that I, it's, you know, as someone who doesn't have that life normally ever especially for a, if I ever would have that time it would maybe be for a week or weeks mm -hmm. at a time not months months at a time it's just been a recalibration um but you know you find different ways I still find ways to be creative I still find ways to service the the inner child greatly but um it's not rooted in the pragmatism of finding the next job and being able to pay the bills of playing for rent. it's finding a way to get back to the core of why I even want to do it in the first place while also finding means to um, <laughs> so stay afloat financially in these times that are um, yeah yeah where there's so little in our control did you say did I hear you say service the inner child so I guess a, an aspect of um, psychodynamic therapy mm -hmm. of like you have an inner child who's supposed to represent this this five-year-old version of yourself who's wide-eyed and endlessly curious and is sort of um, uh, unabashed in wanting to experience life to the fullest and doesn't understand what it means to, to function in a, in a conventional, uh, Americanized, socialized society. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely familiar with the term, which is why I, I picked up on it, because I love, I love that you acknowledged that this was allowing you more time for that. And I'm curious to know what that looks like for you when you're allowing, allowing your inner child to lead a little bit. Um, when I allow the inner child to lead, I'm a, I'm a real dork. I'm a, I'm a nerd, especially when it comes to our industry. There's, there's not a group of people I'd rather want to be servicing myself around. And so it would be continuously nerding out. It's going on sort of weird tangents of conversations with people. When it comes to relationships and when it comes to functioning in the real world, that's a whole totally different matter. Yes. It's led me to having some very unconventional relationships in my life, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Yeah. Um, it's led me to the most profound version of uh, connection, to use your word, that I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And then in a way, sort of that's what, um, my album is charting. My album is based off a show that I've been writing for a number of years. And slowly as I was <laughs> getting therapized for the first time in my life, I was like, oh, this is the journey of, of that inner child trying, trying to find the sense of, of self and love and, and compassion and safety in a world that doesn't really offer that more times or not. Hmm. Um, 
and what ends up happening more times than not is when you leave your the inner child is an incredibly vulnerable um, aspect of yourself because it doesn't know it to be anything else but open-hearted and more times than not that open-heartedness is going to be taken advantage of and it's that person's going to find profound hurt and profound sadness and profound betrayal um, but to be able to still in spite of that leave yourself open-hearted because that's the only way that's going to leave yourself serviceable to finding anything uh, of value and worth in life yeah no that's that's beautiful though thank you for sharing that i i appreciate that sure. um so you, you talked a little bit about how you've been able to reconnect with family and and reconnect with yourself a little bit is there anything else any other discoveries that have surprised you that you might take with you you know when things go back to quote unquote normal it, i mean it's something i had sort of known in vague terms and it was always something you could repeat to yourself but nothing really sits in and lands with you until it's put into tangible practice and then you have and then it's reiterated to you further and for me uh, it's continuously learning about what clarity of communication means but you it's just learning uh, ha having a sense of healthy self-esteem and awareness so obviously when you're alone and when you're uh, just surrounded by family for a long period of time and not surrounded by the distractions of, of new york city and sort of endless people around you um, that's always sort of brought more and more into focus for me personally yeah no for sure i mean you're you're 28 right are you 28 mm -hmm. yeah i mean you know you've had an amazing career so far right you have you know more road ahead of you than than you have behind you and yet you know i know in our industry it's always that sort of the chase right the next job the next the, that worry after everything's gone that well uh, can I do it again? <laughs> you know, often when we do something really, really well and it ends, you go, shit, I can't believe I did that. I don't know if I could do it again. Right? Right. Yeah, Does that yeah. come up for you at all? That sort of imposter syndrome to a certain extent? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I, I mean, if an actor hasn't come face to face with imposter syndrome, it's sort of, it's just a matter of when. Um, <laughs> of course, there was a, a great actor I worked with sort of right out of school who sort of said that on a break he said he said every time he does a gig he feels like he has to relearn how to do this thing in the first place yep. which is on a base level sort of exciting it's it's a it's a continuous discovery and it's rooted in the people that you're doing it with your experience of playing pretend is going to be highly affected by the people that you're um acting with and being directed by and being serviced by in a in a, in a technical visual sense um, that's sort of the brilliance of collaboration is that it can always be new um, but yes, there is a, there is a fear that it's all, it's always easier to be lower on the totem pole, staring up going, uh, oh, I really want to be there and bitching and moaning about all the things that aren't getting you there. And then when you are, and you have your hand there to be content with that feeling and not going, oh, I shouldn't be here, or this is a mistake and, or it felt safer to be below staring up at it and complaining than to be here and actually having to step up to the plate and see what you're made of. Yeah. Um, so yes, I think I've gotten better and better at that with time. Luckily I was in a, uh, an incredible situation at a, at a very young time in my life where I had to face that head on and sort of hopefully came out the other end of it a little more um, wise and, and literate and less ignorant. So hopefully I can bring that into my future experiences. Yeah. But I'm sure, you know, it's, it's a continuous, uh, fight with the inner voices. I'm always interested in, in energy and relationships and, and connection. And, 
I think about you as a, what were you, 24 when you did Bronx Tale? Yes. Talk to me about how in the moment were you able to be at 24 and having this opportunity? I think the, uh, my ability to even get the job required me to be quite self-aware. And in the moment, um, I'm a big advocate of acknowledging the, the undeniable luck that is involved with anything surrounding in this business, especially because so little is in our control. However, you need to meet that luck and opportunity head on with an unapologetic work ethic. So I think I worked really hard and persevered through a number of things in order to get that job because initially I, I went for, I auditioned for it out of town and went through months and months of an audition process and didn't get it. And then had the luck of it, the role being reopened when it came to Broadway and still leaving myself serviceable in terms of my preparation, but just also of my, my energy and, and mindset to, to be able to put that past experience aside and come into it afresh. And also for the creatives to come to it afresh and say, let's look at this kid again and see what six months of time has done for him, has done for us. Whilst being in it, it was uh, the greatest learning experience I could have asked for because I was in uh, a room of these giants, many of whom were my creative heroes. Alan Menken, I'm sure this is a, a very unoriginal thing to say, but I think anyone of my generation can speak to this, is that he, he, he wrote our childhood songbook. Um, Alan was a, a reason why I became interested in the musical theater in the first place. Wow. Um, so to be singing new material that he had written, somewhat curated for my voice, especially near the end as we were working on new material, is, is sort of a, a mind-boggling thought to let in um, for Chaz to bring me into his family and to um, regale me with anecdote after anecdote of stories that are not in the show to help inform really the kind of person he was and who I'm trying to step in and play every night was extraordinary to um, have this sort of meta experience of being in a show about two father figures and this kid trying to take the best aspects of both of them to lead a fuller life and being directed by two people who I'm sure they would speak to that they see the world very, very differently and they see this art form very, very differently. And me as an actor trying to take the best of both of them and service however I can in this show um, was sort of in just, you know, with perspective is an amazing endless experience to, to learn how to maneuver around egos, to learn, to have, to learn and garner a strong sense of self, to know when to pick your battles, to know when to be a good soldier and put your head down and do the work, knowing how to uh, hopefully eloquently and succinctly make your, make your case and state your piece when um, conflict does arise, how to collaborate in a genuine way, how to um, really uh, be able to, it, it was just, and this was the hardest thing to just not be in continuous awe of these people, mm -hmm. but still being able to lock them in the eye and be able to meet them as colleagues. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that was the, a, a great, great lesson to learn for all the positives and the negatives that come with that. Oh, and yeah. so, so I, I think, yes, I'm able to experience some of those things now with some time and some distance more um, positively, but it's also, it shows a credit to um, them as professionals that 
whenever um, something has come up in my life where I've reached out and um, very humbly asked for their help in something, um, a response is immediate and is incredibly affectionate and generous on their part. So to be able to feel like I have these amazing artists and human beings in my corner and in and, and many aspects of life is I think the real positive um, takeaway that I um, have from that experience. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, you know, but kudos to you that having not gotten it, um, but then get the call back. How, what was the time frame in between when uh, they called you again? You said six months? or so? Yeah, maybe it's a little less, but yeah, yeah, around that amount of time, a number the, of months. The fact that you were ready <laughs> says a hell of a lot about you. I mean, so I just wanted to celebrate you for a moment. I mean, these people have done a lot of work, so they must have known that about you instinctively. Yeah, well, I think, but that also just speaks to the story itself. Mm. I, I definitely saw a lot of myself in that character and that, and that a community of people you know my I, i'm i'm from a a napoletano italian family who uh, my grandmother is born in the bronx and uh, I, in many ways i was impersonating not only chaz but my grandfather in that role so I, I had a real tangible sense of who this guy was but clearly was staying with me whether i had the job or not i'm, I'm curious to know if if you had inside of you an, uh, an intuition and or a determination that it would come back to you, this, this would one day be yours? Um, well, uh, perhaps, but I, I, I didn't really give it much thought because yeah. that's so, again, outside of my control. What I was doing on the advice of my roommate at the time is that I was just sort of keeping it in my in my practical lexicon so that because I was you know I was incredibly <laughs> heartbroken when it didn't go my yeah. way and I wasn't able to really process it quickly enough to be able to go on to you know when I had when you again have amazing people working for you and going well you didn't get this job but here here's a new thing that you're going to go in for this week and um, I wasn't able to separate myself and give over to new material quite fully so my roommate at the time saying why don't you re-engage with the Bronx Tale material instead of sitting in complacency and frustration and anger about it. Um, you know what they want. You clearly see a path of something that you need to find within yourself within this material. So why don't you just engage with it without any preconceived notion or expectation that it, in, it, that it in a tangible way would come back into my life, but that I had something more of myself to find in this material in order to process and move on with the rest of my career. So the fact that it luckily even came circumvented and came back, I was able to say, well, the role hasn't left me in any real way. If anything, I feel that if, if I feel much more secure of it in my body and in my uh, mindset and energy that then I can be malleable to whatever tonal uh, um, direction they need to place me into. That's amazing. What a great roommate. What is, talk about a great. Uh, yeah, please, advice. please. Holy, yeah, wow, yeah, that's amazing. What a great story. What, if anything, do you think stands between you and, and who you want to be? Ego, this continuous mm -hmm. balance of um, the two, what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Like more times than not, when you can get out of your own way and uh, make other people far more important than yourself. I think that's the only way to service yourself. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But with, with this world, and certainly under this pandemic, but in, in general with this world and 
and the things that we can't control. How much energy would you say you you spend worrying about stuff? I, I, I mean, especially now, far more than I should be. And that's mm-hmm. the constant battle with this, is mm-hmm. to, to get out of your own anxious mind. When, when you're faced with <laughs> unrelenting solitude, you're sort of, you see what you're made of. And what's great <laughs> about being in the theater is you're constantly surrounded by other people. You're in, you're in a continuous practice of being part of a team. That's what I, in many ways, sort of rely on. Yeah. Even if it's outside of the theater, just, just being able to be around with friends. So when you're not serviced that, yes, those anxious thoughts come into your brain. Yeah. And I'm curious to know, like as an actor, how do you think this experience will inform your, your process or, you know, be part of your toolbox to go back? Um, you mean as grateful as I was to be playing pretend for a living before, man, I'm going to be infinitely more grateful. Um, just to be able to step on a stage and <laughs> be in close cro- close proximity to people again. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be boundless yeah. um, gratitude, which is only just going to lead to just endless more curiosity. I'm just excited to be in a, because it's, it'll be arguably a, a year before we're able to yeah. uh, be back in a room together yep. to see how a year of life has changed all of us it's going to affect everything it's going to it's hard because in the beginning of this pandemic i thought okay great we're going to have to no matter how long this takes we're going to be able we're going to have to get back to whatever this momentum was that we all were feeling as a cast because we were all in sync with what the story we were telling was and to now go back and just try to revert back to what we were doing will probably seem very inauthentic so for, for better or for worse, we're going to have to take in whatever this time has given us and let it inform the work. And that inherently will make it different, but hopefully that much more truthful. So I'm excited, if nothing else, to just be in a rehearsal room again with these amazing, intelligent, funny, ferocious people um, failing over and over again and throwing out ideas and going, well, that didn't work. Well, let's see what, um, but that, that idea les- leads to this idea, which leads to this idea, which leads to this idea. And that's how, that's the only way we can curate something that's, that's honest and truthful. So to have time for that again is what I really, really can't wait. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's going to be so friggin'. But that's all, and that's, but that also speaks to the, the art of doing commercial theater is, is, and it's something I definitely learned doing a year in Bronx Tale was, was finding spontaneity and structure, which is the hardest thing to do. Where yep. you, have a, you have a game plan. You have a map of what you know you have to do. You have to be standing in this spot or else a tower is going to come and topple you to the ground. Or you're going to, or even worse, if you don't get out of the way, you're going to hurt your fellow cast member and they're going to be hurt. If you, quote unquote, in the moment are feeling something different, you're going to ruin a structure that's been put in place for you. However, within that structure, you still need to live in this reality where you are saying these words for the first time and are responding authentically to a person who is saying their words for the first time. It's just the process of deepening it further and continuing to be curious and keeping your ears open and being open to um, what someone's giving you on a given day while still hitting your mark and doing and giving the show that uh, has been proven to work over and over again. Yeah. Amazing. So where do you see yourself five years from now? Or do you even think that way? I'm guessing you don't even think that way. But um, Well, I, I think my goal from the get-go since I graduated college was I just, I want to run the marathon. Hmm. I want to, 
I want to play, I want to be paid to play pretend for as long as I want to, if that makes sense. Well, and I don't know whether that's going to be when I'm 40, whether that's going to be when I'm 80, whether that's going to be, you know, we're going to come out of this pandemic and go, maybe I don't want to do this anymore, except I, I can't, I can't imagine really any other life that brings me so much joy. Yeah. Um, So however, um, however I can service myself to, to be in a room with incredibly intelligent and creative people is what I want to be doing. Um, yes, as a nerd, I have bucket list roles and bucket list shows and people that I want to work with. Yeah. But um, I think the best way to probably have that in my life is just to say, um, I, I want a longevity of a career versus mm-hmm. like hitting certain, because I, the, <laughs> the, the trickiness if you can say that about my utterly privileged life is that um, I've had multiple childhood dreams come true at a very young age mm-hmm. um, to, to make my Broadway debut with those mammoths and heroes of people was one dream, especially, you know, having my first Broadway show be Beauty and the Beast and singing original Alan Menken music every night to um, <laughs> even though, even though uh, my favorite movies of his are now probably Raging Bull and Cape Fear and <laughs> Godfather Part Two. Of course, the first thing I ever saw him in as a child was like Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers. <laughs> so the fact that the fact that I'm working that I worked with him at a young age and that I got to introduce him to my Italian grandparents who have uh, been in awe of him since they were young people as well. That was a real dream yeah. true. And then now to be in Company. Company is the show I saw as a 14 year old that maybe really wanted do this in the first place and it was a real turning point for me as a young person in my training because it was the first Sondheim show I ever saw the, the universal themes of feeling profoundly lonely of curating different aspects of yourself in order to conform to different groups of people like in the way that we are a diff I am a different person with you talking to you on this podcast than I am with my six best friends from college than I am out with strangers walking around than I am to my self when i'm in when i'm in total solitude hopefully there's a there's a continuous thread between all of them mm-hmm. but there are certain characters you play that have very distinguished personalities and vocabularies and physicalities depending on who they're with and that is bobby and company to, to yeah. a certain extent yeah. and um so that the fact i get to be a part of that in any ways is, is profoundly lucky so it's for me to place markers and ideas okay next i want to do this show or this show it's hard to think that way because in a, in a way I've already done the shows that I've sort of wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I need to think, in, uh, I need to think bigger dreams. I need to expand my thinking about even what's possible, which is a strange thing to talk about. Um, and so the way I try to tangibly affect it is just saying, okay, well, I just want to run the long game and sort of see what comes in. And hopefully it's going to be resonating with where I am at, with as, as Bobby in, in, my, in my everyday life. And it's about, as you said, the long game, I mean, I know you mean that also literally and that you want to, you know, stay in it as long as it's bringing you joy. And as long as it's, you know, there's growth, connection, these are all the things, you know, that, that I'm hearing. And that's not, mm-hmm. that doesn't have to do with what show it is, rather just leaving yourself open and curious and in the game and, and energetically, um, you know, ready to, to receive. And it will come. And it's yes, like, which is a very, which is a very different way of thinking than <laughs> I was thinking at 22 when I was graduating from college. Oh, so course. it's just a, it's a, it's a bit of a reconfiguration. 
Yep. No, of course. And I encourage you to continue on that, you know, on that journey. You can't lose. We can't lose if the objective is to learn something from everything, which you will if you're open to doing that. Yeah, that's a good idea. You can't lose. So what do you want to do? Yeah. No, I, I have a buddy who says you, you, you can, and it's, it's now in, in 2020, you can be screwed over in any job. There, nothing is safe in a way that we always thought it was, especially growing up um, generations before. So if that's the case, why not go after what makes you happy? Absolutely. Um, I think that's a great way to put it. How do you, how do you want to be remembered? What's important? How, how will people remember you? What will make you smile down from heaven? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. Hopefully, I'd like to be remembered as um, a, a, a generous individual, someone who valued loyalty and fidelity of friendship and um, a, a generosity of, of spirit and play, whether it was, it was on stage or off. Again, you take the work very seriously, but you don't take yourself very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, so that you can leave yourself open to spontaneity and connection and, and love and sadness and, and, and every aspect of, of what it means to be alive. Um, you know, it's been a, it's, it's also been a quite a life changing thing this time to um, process and, and, and see the, the outpouring of love that's come Nick Cordero's way, especially at this time and see how he's been remembered and how people have been reflecting on him. And uh, I think if any of us could be um, seen in the way that Nick Cordero is seen now, I think we'd be, we'd, that, that would be a, a life very well lived. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, he's, al he's always, um, and you know, he's, he's been an example ever since I've known him. Um, so that's always a great marker sort of chase oh yeah and you know to my listeners if you have not already seen the tribute for nick my god the tribute video was so beautiful and bobby you were on that and it was it was so moving and what i loved are the amount of times because as it rightly should have been the tribute featured many of his closest oldest friends from back in canada um and the amount of times the phrase well there are stories that i can't tell on here was uttered it just it made me so happy because I got many, many stories as well that I cannot share on this podcast um, that I will hold in my heart and in my, in my recall, in my brain for as long as I can. Um, and because they're, de they're defining memories and, and uh, experiences and qualities that I got to share with him. Yeah. Um, almost everyone he met, whether you were his closest childhood friend or whether you were someone that he saw at the stage door for literally a minute of his time. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing the, how, how he made everyone feel seen instantaneously. And that would be an amazing quality for any of us to have and to be remembered for it. To answer your question, if at my deathbed people said, I, I always felt seen by Bobby and that if we were talking and we were locking eyes, we, we could make each other feel that we were the only two people talking. I think that's a very special quality that Nick has that I would like to reflect in my life. Mm -hmm. Amen. Real quick, just before we finish, um, I'm going to say what makes you and I'm going to say a word and then you can just whatever comes into your head. So, okay. Ready? Uh, okay. What makes you sad? Uh, isolation. Mm. Mad. Complacency and idiocy. Frustrated. Uh, uh, lack of clear communication. Interested. 
curiosity. Motivated. Uh, passion. Inspired. Uh, risk taking. Grateful. Friendship and fidelity of friendship. Hmm. What are the top three things that happened so far today? Uh, we have uh, two Jack Russells that are like our, our family dogs that I've grown up with that are here with us in Montana. And one of the dogs, they're two Jack Russells. They're very small, um, endlessly annoying and frustrating dogs to deal with. And one of them, when I take her off the leash, will not follow me. She's much more connected to my sister. My sister is the alpha um, with, these, with these two puppies. Um, and today she followed me. We were hiking up a mountain and usually when I let her off the leash, she literally will turn around and run towards the house again. And today she followed me up the mountain. So I took it as a success. That, um, <laughs> That's um, awesome. <laughs> I, I had some power over this dog. Yeah. Um, uh, I took an amazing nap today. Mm. And... Uh, I guess I guess I'll say this then. This is my this is the one of my three things that I've done so far today. Well, what are you most looking forward to today? Um, my sister and I. Uh, there's a there's a farmers market that is that takes place here in, in Big Sky that we go to very safely mm. um, every week. So that will that we'll go and do today, and so we'll get to eat good food and go hang out and bring our books and be outside and shoot the shit and um, yeah, be very at peace with my sisters, which would be very lovely. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Wow. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you <laughs> doing this again. You know, I know we, we had, I mean, it was great. It was wonderful getting to know you previously before the uh, blackouts. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually take that as a, as a gift and, and a little bit of luck in my favor. Yeah, um, it, was, it was clearly, it was telling us something. It was yeah. saying, it was saying, you're saying you need a redo. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm very, I'm very appreciative and grateful as well, Lisa. Yeah. Thanks for spending the time and being in the moment with me. And, you know, I wish you nothing but joy and connection. And, um, you know, I, I just, um, you know, I feel for our community and I, I know that, you know, when we come back, we're going to come back stronger than ever. And, um, I'm grateful to know, you know, that, uh, that there's people like you in it. But thank you very much for, for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Here, here. I really appreciate it, Lisa. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I've been speaking today with Bobby Conti Thor Thornton. <laughs> Be sure to check out his link. <laughs> Stay healthy, everyone. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> in music, stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison, supporting the soloist to express their individuality. In the moment, I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm. Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.